You're listening to the TB Pod, a podcast for clinicians and policymakers caring for patients with tuberculosis. In these podcasts, we chat with expert clinicians, researchers, policymakers, and advocates about their work in the field of tuberculosis. The TB Pod is prepared by the Australasian Clinical TB Network, ACNET, and the TB Forum. You can subscribe on iTunes or download episodes through the ACNET website. I'm here speaking today with Emeritus Professor Warwick Britton, who's the head of the Tuberculosis Research Program at the Centenary Institute in Sydney and is the Research Director of Sydney Local Health District. And today we're here to talk about um, vaccination against tuberculosis, what is the current situation in 2022, and what vaccines might be on the horizon. So Warwick, welcome to the TB pod. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. So just to start off with, um, could you tell us where uh, BCG fits into clinical care in 2022? Well, the BCG vaccine is in fact 101 years old. It was um, in uh, 1921 that it was first given, uh, having been developed in the Institute Pasteur in Lille. BCG vaccine protects against disseminated tuberculosis in children and there have been multiple randomised control trials and case control studies that show that. And therefore, children who are born in uh, a situation where they could be exposed to TB should undoubtedly be vaccinated. And that represents countries with a rate of TB at least of 40 per 100,000. In the context of Australia, if uh, children born in Australia are going to be taken as may well be the case, back to see their grandparents in a country in our region with high rates of TB, then immunising them with BCG is very wise uh, because, unfortunately, TB can progress rapidly in children and within two years cause severe disease. So, therefore, vaccination in children in moderate to high regions of TB and also in children who will be going to spend a period of time of some months in that environment. Is there a role for BCG for healthcare workers or other people in Australia? Personally, I think so, because as a healthcare worker, I've uh, uh, worked uh, in uh, countries with very high rates of tuberculosis, and, um, and being BCG vaccinated does have a protective effect in adults. The rate isn't less than in children, but in um, meta-analysis of um, clinical trials, TB can have uh, BCG has a protective effect against pulmonary TB of up to 50%. The issue is that the protection varies in different regions, and in areas where, for instance, in Britain, where there was less TB than in India, uh, it had a protective effect in adults, whereas in regions of high endemicity, immunisation in adults is less effective. So therefore, I my view would be that if uh, people were going to be working and exposed to TB, as in the context, for instance, of respiratory medicine or respiratory physiotherapists who may well be exposed, uh, then vaccination would be wise. Um, that's not the practice in the United States or in Canada, and it's less of a practice in Australia, but it depends on the degree of exposure of the individual. 
one of the things that clinicians are often taught about BCG is that it can cause a false positive tuberculin skin test result. Um, why would that happen and how should we be interpreting a skin test result in a patient who's been BCG vaccinated? So uh, BCG is derived from Mycobacterium bovis, uh, which is very similar to TB, but 130 genes have been deleted, and in particular genes which confer virulence, and that is the why uh, BCG is an attenuated uh, form of bovis. It, however, the other 3,900 genes are similar, and therefore you can induce skin test positivity. In general, that only causes a skin test of less than 10 millimetres. And in environments where people are not do not have continuing exposure to TB, even that skin test reactivity declines over 10 years. We now, of course, have the capacity with TB-specific uh, interferon gamma release assays, such as the IGRA uh, assays now widely available, to distinguish between TB infection and BCG. The reason being uh, TB antigens are used in those tests that are the antigens which have been deleted from BCG. So it is both a weaker response, less than 10 millimetres, compared to greater than 10 millimetres in a tuberculin test, and also the fact that we have uh, a blood test which can distinguish between BCG immunisation and TB infection. Thanks very much. So one of the questions that sometimes uh, my patients ask me is they say, um, don't we already have um, a vaccine that stops people from getting tuberculosis? And from what you've told us so far, the effect of BCG wanes over time. Um, hmm. Why is that? And why don't we have a better vaccine? Well, uh, there are two factors there. One is immunity to um, the BCG vaccine does wane and it wanes over about 10 to 15 years. That figure is based upon results from the British MRC TB vaccine study and some other smaller studies. So the evidence base for that decline is much less than say, for example, in measles vaccination, where we can measure immunity after measles vaccination for a long time. But in general, that is thought to be the reason why BCG given in childhood protects against childhood TB, but does not protect against adult TB because the immunity has waned. Why does the immunity wane? The immunity is based on CD4 T cells as opposed to antibody-based immunity for measles or rubella, or in fact, most of the vaccines we use we have uh, very few vaccines where cellular immunity is responsible for their protection. And unfortunately, CD8 T-cell immunity uh, wanes more rapidly than, for example, CD8 T-cell immunity to viruses. So it may well be that boosting BCG vaccine uh, with an appropriate vaccine will be a requirement to give long-lived protection against TB. So there's been a renewed interest in the BCG vaccine recently. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what some new studies are showing. 
A very important study, which was published two or th- about three years ago in the New England Journal of Medicine, showed the results of a vaccine trial against infection with TB, not against disease. And this study was done in um, South Africa near Cape Town, where adolescents who'd not been infected with TB were given either BCG or a protein vaccine and followed for two years. And this showed that the BCG vaccination of uh, young people who had not been infected with Mycobacterium tuberculosis showed about a 45% protective efficacy against infection. Uh, The second study, which was actually done in non-human primates who are very susceptible, primates are very susceptible to TB, Uh, an important study done at the NIH in, in Washington showed that if you gave BCG intravenously to these highly susceptible non-human primates, they were completely protected in 8 out of 10 cases. This study, uh, also recently reported in Nature, has subsequently been repeated. Now, this indicates that if you get BCG into the right place, probably the lung, it can stimulate uh, highly protective immunity. So there are now uh, very active studies trying to determine what were the correlates of this protective effect, either in the adolescents in Cape Town or in the non-human primates, to use these as correlates of protection. Because unfortunately in TB, in contrast to, say, uh, COVID, SARS-CoV-2 infection, we have no definite correlate of protection, whereas we know in um, SARS-CoV-2 that induction of neutralising antibodies against individual viruses uh, is a true measure of protection. And and what is next beyond BCG? This is a hundred, more than a hundred year old vaccine, yet we're still using it um, in many countries today. Uh, What uh, are the future vaccines that may be available uh, and do you think that we will be able to uh, use BCG, BCG's um, successes as a part of the um, push to end TB? Well, there are two questions there, Greg. The first question is, can we um, have a, uh, a vaccine which is um, not a live vaccine that protects against TB? BCG is, of course, um, a, uh, a, micro, a live mycobacteria, and when you inject it uh, intradermally, it replicates, it causes a small <coughs> area of infection. Because of that, you can't use BCG in um, children of mothers with HIV infection, and, and BCG as a vaccine in adults should never be given to immunocompromised individuals. So both because of the fact that BCG immunity wanes, but also that ideally we would have a um, uh, non-living vaccine. There's been extensive studies of which we've been part for the last uh, 20 years. And these culminated um, in the development of a protein vaccine 
made up of two proteins from Mycobacterium tuberculosis are given with an adjuvant. And in a study conducted in uh, southern Africa, it was shown that um, in individuals who had latent TB infection in adulthood from 20 to 40, that uh, this vaccine given as three doses caused 50% protection against tuberculosis disease. Now, um, this is highly encouraging um, to have only two proteins out of the very large number of proteins, 4,000 proteins in TB, which can induce protection. 50% protection is not enough. And if we had a vaccine that caused 50% protection against COVID, it would thought to be unsatisfactory. But um, this is the evidence, and uh, this was a very robustly done uh, phase 2B study where the individuals were followed for three years and they're continuing to be followed. On the basis of this, a, a large multinational phase 3 study has been designed to be funded by the Gates Foundation, uh, but this has been delayed over the last few years with, with COVID. Now, we and others, quite a number of groups around the world, uh, have other protein adjuvant vaccines, which we believe uh, may give confer greater protection. So I think over the next decade, certainly, there will be the emergence of protein vaccines, which can be used at the moment to boost immunity from BCG. But this also raises the prospect in adults, in a country such as Australia, uh, they, where this vaccine could be used in healthcare workers quite safely to protect against TB. And I think this will be the development um, that happens over the next 10 to 15 years. So I understand that at the Centenary Institute and the University of Sydney that there's some work underway into new potential vaccines. Could you tell us a bit about that work? Yes, well, we, we have been working uh, for about 20 years in this space and with my colleague, uh, Professor Jamie Trickus, who's a professor of medical microbiology at the university. We have also developed a protein vaccine uh, with, which combines proteins that are expressed early during TB infection and late in TB infection. We tend to think of TB as just a single entity, but in reality, when the TB organism infects the lungs, it uses a certain set of genes, but then it enters what we call latent TB or dormant TB, and then a separate set of genes are switched on. And the TB organism can live in the lungs for decades. We've combined a protein that is expressed early in infection and a protein expressed during dormant infection. And uh, using an adjuvant developed uh, in uh, Flinders University, we've shown that this can actually induce protection in animal models of TB, um, the equivalent of BCG, and in some contexts greater than BCG. So uh, our group are using the um, animal model of tuberculosis that we have here in Centenary 
and also extending that to animal models of infection in guinea pigs in uh, the United States to actually show that this vaccine can induce uh, long-lived protection. And interestingly, the work done on this vaccine actually led to rapid adaptation to COVID vaccines. And um, Professor Trickus has shown that combining BCG with the spike protein actually uh, induces protection against COVID vaccination. So not only do we think this is a benefit for TB infection, but may well be a benefit for COVID as well. So one of the um, commitments uh, globally, including the Australian government, uh, to, towards TB control is, uh, is aiming for TB elimination by the middle of this century. And could you comment on what the role of vaccination is going to play in achieving that goal? Well, we know that BCG vaccine alone will not be sufficient for that, um, not only because it's been used for so long, um, but because of this problem of waning immunity. The um, detailed modelling done by WHO and other groups have shown that a vaccine that had 80% protective efficacy in adults would be a significant contributor to protection against TB. And of course, TB is a pulmonary infection, it's highly infectious. And if you can reduce the rate of development of, of active TB, that will reduce the burden of TB in the community. I think even as an immunologist, I would say it is not going to be vaccination alone. It is not it is not similar, for example, to smallpox or measles because both the smallpox vaccine and the measles vaccine can be given as single shots which provide protection for 20 years. We've got a long way to go to there. But if the, the aim is to have a vaccine that will give 80% protection for 10 years and the recent developments and, and particularly some of the findings in non-human primates suggest this is possible. There are other subunit vaccines that are highly protective in, in non-human primates against TB infection. So, but that is still requires both the research to develop these vaccines, but importantly also the um, vaccine study centres where these can be tested in high burden countries. And I think we've learned from COVID that if you have sufficient funding, you can do vaccine trials very rapidly. Um, and the problem with TB is the, unfortunately, the level of research and R&D funding and particularly funding for clinical trials is, is um, far less than not only COVID, but also uh, malaria and HIV. And unfortunately, during COVID, there's been a reduction in the amount of funding for TB research. Uh, but we're encouraged by groups such as Gates, who have recognised TB has such uh, a detrimental effect on the health and well-being of communities that uh, vaccination is part of the strategy 
uh, to eliminate this disease. Thanks very much. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we finish? I just emphasise that TB uh, unfortunately is going to be with us for a while if we keep managing it the way we're doing it at the present. And uh, people have had the feeling that TB will be with us forever, a bit like poverty. Whereas we need a, a we need the dynamism which has been shown in research into COVID and also research into HIV, that in fact uh, we have the capacity to control and eliminate this disease if we put the resources into it. Thanks very much, Professor Britton, for sharing with us. Uh, insights into the biology of vaccination into their impacts in different populations and to the potential for their impact into the future towards TB elimination. Thanks very much for your time with us today. Thanks very much. My name's Jack and today I'll be summarising some of the key lessons we learnt from Emeritus Professor Warwick Britton. The first thing I learned is that BCG vaccination is currently recommended for children either growing up in or spending time visiting countries with tuberculosis rates of 40 per 100,000 people. I also learned that BCG vaccination in adults can be protective for pulmonary tuberculosis up to 50%, but that this varies depending on the regional TB prevalence, with reduced benefits in high TB burden settings and increased benefits in low TB burden settings. Generally, BCG vaccination causes tuberculin skin test positivity less than 10 millimetres and that without ongoing exposure, TST positivity will decline over 10 to 15 years. This correlates with immunity, which is generally afforded to the recipient of the BCG vaccination, which wanes over 10 to 15 years, hence why childhood vaccination does not prevent infection in later life. This is predominantly due to the fact that BCG vaccination induces cellular immunity as opposed to antibody-based immunity as seen in measles and rubella, which in part explains the waning effect. I learned that BCG vaccinations can be highly effective if delivered to the appropriate part of the body, such as the lung, as suggested by the 2020 paper published in Nature looking at intravenous BCG administration in macaques. Finally, I learnt that the aim is to find a vaccination which offers at least 80% protection. And there is really exciting work being done at the Centenary Institute looking at protein vaccines and adjuvants from Flinders University, which may induce immunity both in the infective and dormant genes of tuberculosis. If you'd like to read more about the topics discussed today or the papers that were brought up by Emeritus Professor Warwick Britton, some of the papers in included the 1977 paper by Hart titled BCG and Volbacillus Vaccines in the Prevention of Tuberculosis in Adolescence and Early Life, published in the British Medical Journal. The 2018 paper by Neems titled Prevention of M. Tuberculosis Infection with H4 colon IC31 vaccine or BCG revaccination, published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And finally, the 2020 paper by Dara titled Prevention of Tuberculosis in Macaques After Intravenous BCG Immunization, published in Nature.